It's been two years since Sidney Prescott survived the Woodsboro murder spree, perpetrated by her psychotic boyfriend Billy Loomis and his demented friend Stu. Now in college, Sidney is haunted by the murders and struggles to trust others. With the release of a movie based on the real killings, a new ghost face has emerged and is hunting Sidney's friends once again. Armed with knowledge of horror sequels and a new gang of meat shields, Sidney goes up against Ghostface for the second time in Wes Craven's killer sequel, 1997's Scream 2. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And you are listening to Filmgasm. Welcome back to Woodsboro, boys and girls. It's time for another Filmgasm, and today we get to revisit an old episode with a sequel. Due to unforeseen circumstances, Josh will unfortunately not be joining us today after all. Uh, Nothing serious, just scheduling conflict. So, sorry. You're always with us, buddy. Yes, indeed. See you for Scream 3. (laughs) But first, we've got one update on the Rewind, and it updates our 82nd episode on Dead Ringers. Amazon is planning a reboot of Dead Ringers as a series, and Rachel Weisz is signed on to play the twins with a gender reversal. What are your thoughts on this? Hmm. I hadn't heard of this at all. I love Rachel Weisz. I rolled my eyes when you initially talked, said it, but I love Rachel Weisz. You said Prime? Yes. Hmm. That's interesting. I'll probably give it a go at some point, but I don't see really why. Yeah. Dead Ringers also isn't like a very popular movie, so <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm not really sure what this is, who this is for at all. Yeah. I... I mean, our Dead Ringers, I thought, was just okay. I didn't think it was really worthy of further exploration. Yeah. I don't get the gender reversal, because this comedy really kind of works by two dudes being, like, doing it. The whole movie was about them, like, manipulating women. Yeah, maybe now she's going to be manipulating men. Yeah, maybe they'll just, reverse everything. It's going to be weird. Yeah. It's just not the same level of, you know... Well, she could be manipulating women. Be a lesbian. Maybe. Uh, Rachel Weisz can really do anything. I don't... Hmm. I'm not on board with this. Nah. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I, I'll probably watch one episode, and then I, I probably won't like it very much. Yeah, I'm tired of them turning... Well, first it was good movies, now it's okay movies, into TV shows. Random-ass movies, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It almost never works, too. Yeah, so these, weird. These things rarely last, like, a full season, but they keep doing it. Ugh. Well. Yeah. Now for Scream 2. Directed by Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson, the duo that brought us the first film. We've talked about Wes Craven so much on this podcast already. If you don't know who he is, this is the wrong podcast for you. <laughs> yeah, we've but we've yet to cover some of his you know biggest films, but you know uh, obviously we will get into them one day. Yeah, we've done. After this, we've done the first two screams and the serpent and the rainbow. Yeah, more to come. Uh, is, that, is that it? I think so. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, because we haven't t- we haven't tapped Elm Street yet. No, no, no. Uh, we didn't do Last House on the Left or The Hills Have Eyes. Nope. So I think, yeah, I think that's as far as we've gotten. Yeah, I'm excited for those. Yeah. And, you know, for those of you who follow us consistently, you know that we draw our picks from the book of Filmgasm, so you never know. We don't even know what we're going to get till we get it. Yeah, it's very rare that we handpick something. It's either going to be something special that came out recently or, or yeah, something, you know, just we feel, or feeling, you know, like changing it up. Like, like Toxic Avenger. Yeah. That was a personal pick. Changing it up last week, um, you know, doing something very different. Scream 2 here came out of the book. Yes, it did. Which is very cool because we just did Scream, what, two, three months ago? I don't think, it, not even that long ago. I don't ago. even know. <laughs> time time uh, is a construct and I, it's, uh, I don't know what's going on in 2020. 
Oh, dude, I'm just living, you know, one day at a time these days. L-I-V-I-N. <laughs> Scream 2 was greenlit immediately following Scream's financial and critical success. It was based off a five-page treatment by Williamson that he had used to pair with his first film script when he was trying to entice bidders with a potential franchise. So he brought them the Scream script, and he's like, oh, by the way, here's two and three if you ever want it. Guy had a plan. <laughs> the film suffered a few setbacks, including the original ending getting leaked onto the internet. And this was way back when the internet was just starting out, so they didn't know how to protect against that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And that forced Craven and Williamson to change the identity of the killers so he could surprise the audience. It was a critical darling, with many arguing that it surpassed the original in quality. And an argument could be made. This is a very good sequel. Yeah, it's in that boat of sequels, and I think we're going to talk about some sequels today just as we go along. I, I would put in the same boat of, like, uh, here's an example, at least for my mind, would be uh, Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi. Okay. Where it's it's right there. It's right there. But there's just something about the first. Yeah. And the OG. And, and the cast. I really like the cast from, from both of them, but that first one, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's just a little bit more special. Well, Scream kind of changed the game. Scream was a horror movie about horror movies. Yes. And building on that can be good or bad, but that original is going to be hard to top. Yeah. It, it, it happens. It happens. It's, just, it's, it's tough. But I like how this movie was a horror sequel about horror sequels. Like, it, it built on that same kind of shtick. Amazing. Yeah. With a, it was smart. And, like, one of my favorite scenes of the whole film is when they're in the classroom talking about, you know, sequels and whatnot. It's yeah. just genius stuff. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So our returning cast members include Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott. Yeah, I mean, has to, right? Uh, yeah. Has to has to be here, especially here in the second one. Um, when you're doing a 1-2, 96, 97, you absolutely need her, who's at the peak of her powers, never really got anywhere else. <laughs> Regrettably, yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, she's just wonderful. Well, her schedule for Scream 2 was insane, because she was also shooting Party of Five. I read that, yeah. And it was just Good a nightmare. Lord. Like, seven days a week, she was on. I can't imagine. Jesus. To just come home, wash off the blood of Scream, and then go play Party 5. Yeah. Jeez. No biggie. That's dedication. Campbell. <laughs> then we have Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers, of course. David Arquette as Dewey Riley. Mm-hmm. Jamie Kennedy as Randy Meeks. And Liev Schreiber as Cotton Weary. So they all came back. Yeah. And uh, Cotton got a bigger part. I like how they played, oh, like, yeah. how they so you know planted those seeds in the first one. Mm-hmm. He's just on TV clips, but now he's a full-fledged character. Yes. And kind of a dick. Perfect. <laughs> but understandably... Oh, yeah. And Leah <laughs> Schreiber, uh, one of the thoughts I had when, you know, he popped up, I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. I love I love that he <laughs> does have that big role here in the second one. Uh, what a weird career. Yeah, for His sure. His filmography, right, is is all over the place. And he's tried so many different kinds of things. I, I'd venture to say that he's pretty underrated. I agree. I agree. He's one of the few things I liked about the Omen remake. I think he's the only thing I liked about it. <laughs> Fair enough. I liked Mia Farrow. Being the nanny. That's cool. Yeah. That's a great touch. Yes. But, but that, that movie's pretty weak. It's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, when you're comparing it to the... I thought he was a fantastic Sabretooth in X-Men Origins Wolverine, which is a shit film, but mm-hmm. he did a great job as Sabretooth. I wish we'd seen more of him. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see Ray Donovan, but I heard it was a great show. I've seen a little bit of it. I, I didn't get too into it, but yeah, he's yeah. good. And then he just kind of pops up from time Spotlight, to time. Spotlight, his role in Spotlight yeah, is wonderful. Spotlight. Very strong, where he's the guy from, I believe he moves from Florida to the Boston Globe, and he's, you know, coming in like, all right, I'm going to make these changes. And, and you know, he, he uh, Defiance, 
He, he just kind of pops up and, and he's able to work alongside these guys and be right there with them. And I just, you know, that there's, there's a lot there. I think, um, I think Liev Schreiber deserves like a little more, a little more, I don't even want to say respect. Uh, I, I think he just deserves more, more looks, you know? Yeah. I think people more should, attention. Yeah. More attention. People should watch, you know, his stuff more and be like, Oh yeah, that's defiance. Isn't just a Daniel Craig movie. It's Liev Schreiber. It's been so long since I saw Defiance. It's a cool movie. That's such a great story. It's a cool one, yeah. The Bielski Brothers. Yeah, and I'm sure there's Lee of Steph we're forgetting that we're going to remember later and be like, oh, um, what's that one comedy I watched recently? Um, Day Trippers. Day Trippers, yeah, Day I remember Trippers. that. He's wonderful in that. I, I, I hadn't seen him be that funny ever, and he's uh, riding around a lot in a car and very smart and very um, you know, quick-witted in that movie. So, yeah, yeah, Liev. <laughs> Shout out, man. We love you. <laughs> And some of our newcomers include Sarah Michelle Geller as Cece Cooper, yeah. a ditzy blonde sorority girl. <laughs> Geller was cast primarily because of her role as strong, independent warrior Buffy Summers yeah. on the WB's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes, and Cece yes. is basically the exact opposite of Buffy. She's a, you know, kind of an idiot who gets it killed immediately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just cool that she decided, you know, she agreed to do that. I mean, this was the, this was 96. So this was... 96 right. is Scream, 97 is Scream 2. So. 97 was Scream 2, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then, so this was in the middle of Buffy's run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This was like season two or three. I'm a huge Buffy fan. That's so. really cool. I love, <laughs> I think we pointed out a few times on Scream, just the the dedication and commitment you get from people when they're working for something that's Wes Craven, right? Yeah. When you have that name attached to it and that guy at the helm making these decisions, when he says something, you're just going to kind of get on board. Uh, because it's probably going to be correct because he's proven it. You know, his track record, you know, speaks for itself. So, uh, yeah, I, I love when you have these movies when people are kind of just fucking buying into the idea of, hey, we're kind of, you know, making fun of stuff, but also bringing people along and then scaring people at the same time. It's really, really amazing. And movies that kind of had to be made in the 90s, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Everyone involved in these movies are pure 90s mainstays. Jada Pinkett Smith? Yeah. At the beginning? <laughs> I mean, and she's just like ab- absolutely stunning. You know, she's so gorgeous. She has been for so long. But during this time, you know, Menace to Society is in 93. And I like loved her in that. But then you see her in Scream 2 and you're like, holy shit, you know, the short hair. She's amazing. I, I love that beginning scene. It's awesome. It's great. It's 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 such a great way to bring you in, especially as a movie lover, because if people are just going nuts in a theater, it's awesome. Honestly, that upset me a lot because if it was a premiere of a movie that I was really looking oh forward God. to and everyone's oh. freaking the fuck out, I'd be pissed. I'd walk out. Like, Give me my goddamn money back. I'll come back tomorrow when the normal people are here. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I prefer I prefer kind of quiet. Now, there are videos of these, you know, these in-game videos of these these screenings in Los Angeles and whatnot where people kind of go bananas. Oh, it's yeah. kind of cool. Sure, for certain scenes, but With for con- just like a constant, you know, woo! The whole time, yeah. My God, fuck out of here. Yeah, no, thank you. (laughs) But those moments when you see like a big movie on opening night and something amazing happens and everyone there just loses their shit—that's that's a special moment. Oh, I I mean, horror is you know a lot of the things I think of when I think of horror are those moments in the theater where every you can feel it really just drop, (laughs) and and like if something were to drop on the floor, you'd fucking hear that shit. You know. Those moments or the moments in, you know, conjuring, you know, <laughs> and people are, you know, you yeah. can feel people gasping. Oh, that's great. the shit you live for. The energy, the energy. And so, like, that's really cool at the beginning of the film to have that energy 
in the movie, you're like, Wes Craven fucking gets it. You know, <laughs> he gets it. This is great. It is. The guy, it, you know, he was the name in horror for the longest time. He was the one, like, the most respected horror director working. And, yeah, I, what he could have gone on to do. I mean, he wasn't done. Oh, no. He got cut short. Goddamn right. Yeah, well short. And I, I personally have not, I think I've spoken, you know, a bit about how I, I, I'm not, like, a mega fan of his or I haven't seen everything, right? Yeah. But goddamn, I respect it so much. You know? well, what I have seen, I have adored. That's So that's what I'll say about Wes Craven. Because there's a lot of his big films I have not yet watched. I'm not, a, I'm not, I, Elm Street, I'm not huge into. The movie, yeah, but the character of Freddy. For sure, for and sure. And what, like certain films, like Wes Craven's New Nightmare might be my favorite film uh-huh. of his. That yeah. movie is unsettling as fuck and yeah. it's so smart and it's so meta. I can't wait to do that on the show. But, you know, things like that. Yeah, I yeah, I totally, totally, totally get on board with that. I, I just think, you know, speaking from like his, like Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984, yes. is that right? I. I just wasn't like, as a movie, I was like, I, I'm not quite sure if I, maybe I'm not understanding what's going on here. No, it's super cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah, I just wasn't on board really. It's not um, scary anymore at all. Elm Street 84 has some good moments, but overall, yeah, it's pretty cheesy. And it's more about the character, right? You know, uh, like you said. Yeah. It's more about that, that kind of like cultural part of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, then we have Jerry O'Connell as Derek, Sydney's new too-good-to-be-true boyfriend. <laughs> O'Connell is known for his performances in Stand By Me, Kangaroo Jack, and the TV series Sliders, just to name a few. And Piranha. Uh, oh, yeah, he's the porn guy. <laughs> yeah, he's the dickhead who's trying to force these girls to film weird shit and then, you know, gets his whole body chewed up by piranhas. It's wonderful. Yeah. That movie's awesome. Can't wait till we draw it. The only movie I've ever seen a floating dick just get chomped to shreds. That movie is really, really going for it. Yeah. Uh, it really, you know, when you get to the, the bits with, you know, Adam's, Adam Scott <laughs> uh, flying around on a jet ski, people's hair is getting, you know, going into the, the engine and people's head flying off. It's really, really wild stuff. And the fact that O'Connell is in the middle of it <laughs> blows my mind. Because, yeah, for me, the first thing would have been Stand By Me that I saw. Yeah. Where, like, my I remember my mom kind of explaining, like, who these guys were, right? Yeah. He's one of them. I had, for me, it was Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> Anthony Anderson, baby. Legend. I, I can't hate that movie. It's, it's so bad, but I love it. Yeah. No, it, it hits a spot. It's, you know, Christopher Walken, Michael Shannon. I mean, Jesus. And, um... Kangaroos. Kangaroo Jack. I saw, when I saw that, uh, my mom told me who Jerry O'Connell was and he was the chubby kid from Stand By Me. Yeah. And I watched Stand By Me and I'm like, that can't be the same guy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, he's married to Mystique from X-Men. And I'm like, no way, no, no. Life can't be that unfair, no. <laughs> and yeah, it turns out they're, they're still together. <laughs> Weird, good for Jer. him. Yeah, Jer. And in this movie, he's ridiculously too good. Like, he's over the top best boyfriend ever. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I was almost trying to find guys to compare him to. And there isn't. There isn't. Nobody's this cheerful. Nobody's this decent. Without having like yeah like an agenda, a mur- like a murderous background. Yeah, yeah. You know, or like the whole movie flips. Yeah, but no, you know, it's almost like he should be the friend more than he should be the boyfriend. He's got yes. that mentality. Like, there's yes. no way she's sleeping with this guy. <laughs> That's just the vibe I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> uh, then we have Timothy Oliphant as Mickey, resident film expert. 
Oliphant is known for his leading role on the TV series Justified, which ran from 2010 to 2015. He's also appeared in such films as Gone in 60 Seconds, Live Free or Die Hard, Hitman, The Crazies, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's great in this. He's such an underappreciated actor, I think, Timothy Oliphant. He really is a, a talented man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked about Liev. Timothy's on, like, a different, you know, plateau. And I agree with you, man. He's not, not appreciated. The scene in Once Upon a Time, what he's doing with Leo, I don't think people quite... Uh, uh, gra- grasp what we were watching at the time. <laughs> yeah. And I still stand by that I think over time people are going to be like, God, we're idiots. That was Leo's best performance ever. He should have got the Oscar over Joaquin Phoenix. What were we thinking? I really do think that's going to be a moment <laughs> in, in, in people's minds, like in movie people's minds. They're going to be like, damn. Just because he's Leo, right? And we get so confused because he's good in everything. <laughs> <laughs> but but t- point being, Timothy is like, Holding his own. Yeah, and pushing him. And they're doing things where their their characters are so layered and they're going in and out of their own characters in the movie. It's really crazy stuff. I have a hard time even explaining it properly. And uh, Justified. Ah, I've seen the first season. I just, TV, I've spoken so many times about TV on this show. It's hard for me to commit, hard for me to really stay into stuff, but that show is good. I definitely want to pick it back up at some point because, yeah, that, that show is pretty cool. I bought the first two seasons on Blu-ray on clearance for like two bucks a pop because I nice. thought this is too good to pass up, yeah. and I haven't watched them yet. Yeah, and Walton Goggins is the bad guy, uh, at least for season one, so what I saw, and he was pretty frightening. Um, yeah, I definitely want to pick that back up. He's awesome. That's a good call. Uh, and he's great in this. The hair. <laughs> the, just the attitude, the film, you know, like, it's almost like, of course this guy's the yes, bad guy. Exactly. Of course he did. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Nobody quotes movies like that much ah. in this franchise without having a murderous intent. <laughs> That's just yeah. how this works. It's, yeah, it's perfect. Unless you're Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Oscar nominee Lori Metcalf as Debbie Salt, local reporter. Wink, wink. Metcalf was nominated for her performance in 2017's Lady Bird. She's also known for her role as Jackie Harris on Roseanne and later on The Connors. Mm -hmm. She's also voiced Andy's mom in all four Toy Story movies. Mm -hmm. And she's great in this. She's just, you know, hidden in the the back. Like, you don't expect her to be anybody of substance. Yeah. And then turns out she's the fucking mastermind. (sighs) Billy's mom. Perfect. Who the fuck knew? Great. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that touch. Uh, Something that, even when you rewatch it, just kind of gets you again. You know, each time you're like, (laughs) that's great. That's great. It, it has that feel, and, uh, that consistency, that pace. Love it. For a, a film like Scream to be rewatchable, dis- like despite almost everything hinging on the twist, that's a, that's an amazing achievement. Yeah. 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 I think that's mainly my point is, is uh, um, there's films, usual suspects even. For me, I adored it. The first time I saw it, I was like, whoa. Yeah. And then it really lost a lot of its juice. It really did for me. I, like, for me as a fan, I love the performances. I love some of the, you know, Kaiser, Soze. But the, the, like, it lost a lot of its juice that second time. Scream doesn't have that for whatever reason. It doesn't. It doesn't if anything, that. you're more excited because yeah. now you can kind of pick it apart as you go along. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is. I'm sure I'll find out one day. You know, you kind of do these things as you keep watching and keep figuring stuff out in your own mind about what you love and uh, love and like and don't like about movies. That's that's the shit you find out. So I'm curious as time goes on if I'll kind of make the connections because I, 
I, I don't know because yeah, Scream I have no problem rewatching. It's just this is a delight. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, hands down. And yeah. Scream Two, just you know, I thought it was just as good in my opinion. It's right there. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's right there. Honestly, I really like the first three. Four is okay, but they're all four watchable. Yeah, agreed. I think four would be a seven for me. I think that's about and the what rest I are above. I think that's what I did, yeah. So, yeah, they're all, yeah, and the rest are eight and above. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I agree. They're all definitely watchable. <laughs> you know, Laurie Metcalf, I see her randomly in 90s sitcoms that I watch. Like, she had guest appearances on oh, yeah. Frasier and Third Rock from the Sun, and she always played somebody fucking crazy. <laughs> She's just killing it during that time. <laughs> so I should have known the first time I saw this. I should have known she was completely batshit. That's her. <laughs> She's the mastermind. And then we have um, Elise Neal as Hallie, Sydney's latest best friend. Neil has also appeared in such films as Hustle and Flow, Mission to Mars, Malcolm X, and Logan. She's had a pretty colorful uh, filmography there. Has Logan ever come up on this podcast? I don't think so. We've barely so brought weird. up the X-Men franchise. Which is so weird. Wait, oh, man. Which you think about what you know Marvel's going to do with all that, and it's just kind of like a mind fuck. But Logan for, is one of the better... Of the decade, one of the better, um, past decade, obviously. Yeah. Superhero-related movies, I think. Yeah. It is, how, I feel pretty strongly about it. Yeah. I know there's a crowd that feels really strongly about it and thinks it's, like, definitely the best superhero movie of the past decade. Yeah. I don't feel, I don't feel that way, but it is very good. And it's something that I hope they can re, kind of capture when they, when they attack it again. I don't think they'll ever do Old Man Logan again. No, 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 no not necessarily. I'm talking about, um, I should have been uh, more clear, atmosphere. And the way they took care of that film, the cinematography and those sort of things are really cool. And those things are really taken care of, uh, like like in Joker. You know, and you can definitely see in Batman, that new trailer is like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're going to talk about that later. <laughs> it's clearly stepping the game up for like, we're not just a superhero movie, right? Yeah. And, you know, we talked about how Christopher Nolan changed that years ago. I just, yeah. I don't know. I just, I hate that phrase, just a superhero movie. Because it kind of puts down the rest puts, of it. It puts, I think that you there's. You know what I'm saying, though? I, yeah. When I, say, I know, I know. It's a little unfair. I agree. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm putting movies in a box. You know, Thor and Thor 2 and some of those earlier MCU ones are not as strong. And then, of course, they got much, much better. And they, they let guys like Taika Waititi take control. And they were, the content got really good. I mean, they got, I, got, I got on board where I was like, I have to see these in theaters sort of thing. I didn't really feel that way at the beginning. And I guess that's mainly my point. You're right. That is kind of putting them in a box that's a little unfair. Yeah, it's a little, just. It's a little Scorsese of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if there was a Scorsese of two of us, I would certainly be it. But I, I, I'm, not, I'm not like that. I don't, you know me, I, I'm not that way. I... I love some of those movies. I really do. I, I just hope, um, I, mainly I hope it's taken care of really well. Yeah. Whatever they do. Sure they will. With that character and with that stuff, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah. And it's just funny how Logan hasn't really been brought up here before. Logan, honestly, I found it kind of underwhelming. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. Because of the hype or just because? Just because of the hype and also because I thought the film was lacking a real serious villain. Yes. I wanted that. I wanted to see, like, you know, an aged Sabretooth or, like, I heard a rumor Mr. Sinister might ap appear, and it ended up being, like, Richard E. Grant for five minutes. And I was, I love Richard E. Grant, but that, yeah. was, that was a bummer. And, uh, I don't know, I just feel like 
with the scope of that thing, with like everything they wanted, I feel like they could have done more with it. Mm-hmm. But I do love the atmosphere. I love how the Hugh Jackman handled yeah. the end of Wolverine. I thought yeah. that was brilliant. I think James Mangold did a great job making that, that movie. Yes, and I'm Jesus Christ. excited to see how he handles Indiana Jones. Oh my Lord. I think he's a great name. That's the most important thing. I think that's, that's mostly my, my point with these things is if you get guys like the, them at the helm taking care of these things, they can, they can be so good because these stories and characters are so rich and people are so yeah. in love with them. There's decades of stuff to mine from on yeah. both sides, on DC yeah. and Marvel. Oh. And you know, I think we're just going to get we're just going to get more. I mean, if DC's recent, you know, Comic-Con thing well, proved anything is that they're finally tapping into the craziness of comic books yes. that we've been waiting for for years. Yeah. And ugh, DC might actually rival Marvel in the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they obviously have so much ground to make up. So much. I mean, 20 movies worth of ground to make up. Yes. Really. That's really how I see it. <laughs> you know, the the Dark Knight trilogy was a long time ago. <laughs> Yeah, you can't ride those coattails anymore. No, no, no. Doing that does not work anymore. <laughs> nope. There's been too many shit shows since then. You know? Yeah. So no. So no, that doesn't work anymore. You can't do that. You know, yeah, they have to bring new content that works, and Joker's a great, great way to start. Mm-hmm. And that's along the lines of Logan, where the atmosphere, taking care of the atmosphere of a, you know, quote-unquote superhero movie. Yeah. You know, I don't think Joker's really a superhero movie, but you know what I mean. It's a comic book movie, but it's not yes, a superhero movie. That's, yes, that's, yeah. It's a psychological thriller, if anything. Yeah. Good <laughs> God. It's a, just a, it's a piece of work. It's a, it's a nightmare. <laughs> it's a weirdo movie. I've, I haven't wanted to watch it again. Like, I've, I've seen it, and I'm good. <laughs> I saw, I, I've seen it twice now, yeah. and I saw it in theaters and watched it once with, because Brianna didn't go see it in theaters with, yeah. with me. It's just an uncomfortable, yeah. unsettling. I like it. I yeah. like it. I, I don't love it. And I really don't think Joaquin was doing anywhere near the best work he's ever done in that movie. So that was kind of disappointing to see it just kind of become this like non non race. See, now having, you know, almost a, over well, almost a year's worth of thinking about it, Joker would be a great movie to revisit on our part on our uh, sister podcast, Oscar, Oscar Sunday. Sunday. Yes. Yes. With yes, that yes. kind of you know mindset. It, it would, yeah. Yeah, it would. I, I love him. You know me? Yeah. I'm saying that with, like, it's like a compliment. <laughs> the one that he won the Oscar for, I just don't think was his best work, you know? What and do you think he should have the, won the Oscar The Master. For? Yeah, the Master. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. that was kind I of mean, <laughs> he's doing things in The Master that Todd Phillips, I think, wanted or, like, thought in his head, this is what I want to happen, the Joker, but didn't quite know how to, how to do it. PTA has some kind of hold on people and some kind of uh, freedom and liberty with these actors. Where that specific scene in the master, when he's in the in the prison cell with Philip Seymour Hoffman, he keeps banging his back up against the bunk bed. Yeah, Oscar, you know <laughs> that stuff. You know he's he's fucking bonkers in the master, and it's not ever like forced. It feels so fucking real. It's awesome. Yeah. You know what I think Joker's problem is, really? I think it would have been much better if it had just been a clown loses his mind. It didn't have to be the Joker. It could have just been Arthur. Just a man going insane due to a horrible fucking life in a society that ignores him. But throwing the Batman aspects into it, I think, gave people too much to, like, expectations. And I I just think, you know, that we're never going to get a payoff 
Yeah. It's not like he's ever coming back That's to do this point. again. That's a good point. Because once you add in the comic book flavor, it's no longer a drama. Like, it's no longer just a drama. It's now a bigger part of things that you have a lot more to live up to. Yeah, and now Gotham feels like it has to line up that way or look that way now. Yeah. With Joker. So, yeah, you're right, man. If you attach those things with it and, like, put a timeline on it and put these characters in it, and you put Bruce Wayne in it. You did? They did, You put yeah. him in there. You put him in there. You're doing these things. You're And you're honestly confusing an audience who isn't super familiar with, you know, the material. You're confusing an audience who's like, well, who's that? Batman? What? Like, <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 no. You're like, no, 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 no. That's, that's a, that, it's, he's a child. It's Bruce Wayne as a child. He becomes, he becomes Batman, I, yeah. you know. And, and that, that, that was kind of a dumb move on, to me. Obviously, they made oodles amount of money. Yeah. And the movie, a huge success, won Oscars and did all this stuff. But yeah, when you're just critiquing it from it, you know, the product itself, I, I agree with you. Yeah. And I know we're probably contradicting ourselves for what we said in our bonus on Joker, but that was, you know, a year ago. People change. Again, I like it. Yeah. I've watched it since. I like it. Mm-hmm. I love Joaquin to, with all my heart. And I actually think, I, I think there's some other performances in it. You know, I think Robert De Niro, the little bits he's in it are like really strong. Like he, he brought it. For like those bits he brought it. Mark Marion with him brought it. <laughs> the, you know, that those bits are fun. Uh, I just think overall, yeah, I think overall when a movie gets that kind of hype, you're just going to kind of dig at a little bit more. You're going to pull. Well, and now everyone is saying like, is Joaquin going to play the Joker in Pattinson's Batman movie franchise? And you're like, ah, probably no, not. just leave it. But yeah. people aren't going to accept that because the way comic book movies are structured these days, everybody expects you know, building. Follow up, follow yeah, up, follow nope, up. Nothing stands alone anymore. Oh, there's no uh, Marvel forever for the existence of movies now. Are there, you know, they're going to be having to come out of these movies. People expect that shit. Yeah. Look what you guys did. You guys harnessed us in, gave us this great story, brought our asses into these chairs. You got to keep doing it. We don't want it to stop, you know? <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's not going to gonna keep going. And yeah, I, I'm afraid... I'm afraid Joaquin, yeah, is, is probably going to venture off and do other things. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not the kind to franchise anything. That's why he turned down Doctor Strange back in the day. Yeah, and yeah, he's always going to do his own thing. He almost, you almost get the vibe he fucking hates this life. So sometimes, for sure, yeah, you do. Yeah. The last thing he wants is to be known as the Joker for a long time. Yeah, that's that's what I'm mostly afraid of, right? Oscar wise, like, I hope I hope he gets another one. <laughs> For something else. He probably will. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Well, that was an interesting <laughs> tangent. Back to Scream. So Scream 2 has an IMDb score of 6.2. Rotten Tomatoes score of 82%. Surprisingly low audience score of 57. Eek. Not sure where that comes from. I thought people loved this one. It grossed $172 million on a budget of $24 million, Grossing just over half a million less than the first film. So, didn't quite meet Scream, but was still profitable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it still remains one of the most celebrated horror sequels in history. Mm-hmm. I am pretty sure. <laughs> I pulled that out of nowhere, but I believe it. Oh, yeah. From word of mouth. <laughs> from experience. And let's talk about the, the plot. So, we open on the premiere of Stab, a movie based on the actual killings in Woodsboro based on the book by Gail Weathers. It's really, you know, I want to say it's it's fucked up that they did this, but then again, like, one of our favorite movies is Zodiac. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never mind. Yeah, can't have that opinion, can you? 
And we meet... Uh, God <laughs> damn it, David Fincher. <laughs> we meet Phil and his girlfriend, Maureen, Omar Epps, and Jada Pinkett. And they're talking about how, you know, like, the plight of the black person in horror films. Yeah. Which is yeah. super ironic because it's exactly what fucking happens to them. Yes. And they got a point. Yeah, black people historically in horror films die first. Or just aren't there. Or aren't there at all. Yeah, for sure. And this this is something we've spoken a bit about, just like as far as you don't want representation for representation's sake. You want it to be good. You want it to be real characters and real people going after and good writing. So it, it, it obviously is so fucking cool to see a guy like Jordan Peele who has, you know, worked in comedy and then horror, you know, and has made two horror movies with, like, good black characters. Yeah. Very well thought out, well written, well developed, good actors, un, you know, an understanding of representation. Awesome. That's the shit we need, man. It's And it, it, it's so cool to see a movie, understand that, and be aware of it, and while it's happening, it's, I love that. <laughs> That's the kind of shit that horror does best, right? Is yeah. being aware of what it is. Yeah, the best horror films, you know, play with it. The best horror films play with the genre. They play with your expectations. Mm-hmm. They play with the tropes. Yes. And that's how they end up being memorable. Like, like the Scream franchise. It's all about tongue-in-cheek references to its own exactly. genre. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking with you, showing you something like, like this, the, the irony of it happening while it's happening. is Yeah, it's all great. And while making the movie Stab isn't necessarily as fucked up as it sounds, handing out costumes <laughs> of the killer is, is pretty fucked up. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Especially when, you know... Remind the listeners that this costume completely hides your entire figure. Yeah. So, and it's the actual like replica of the costume Billy and Stu wore when they murdered all these people. Pretty fucked up. Yeah. It's like if they made a biopic of John Wayne Gacy, and when you went to see it, they gave you a fucking clown outfit. How fucked up would that be? That would be in the news. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. That movie would be immediately pulled from theaters. Banned. <laughs> It'd be banned. Oh my god. So, um, they're sitting in the theater. Uh, during the Casey Becker death scene in, in, the, in the movie within the movie, mm-hmm. she's played by Heather Graham. Yeah. She's great. And then later on, Billy Loomis is fucking Luke Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I forgot, I, I, I forgot about that personally. Uh, God, Luke Wilson, what a hero. <laughs> love that guy. <laughs> That's great. Uh, during her death scene, the crowd loses their minds and, uh, Phil goes to the bathroom. Here's like a weird, sobbing in the bat in the stall next door and uh, gets stabbed in the head when he goes to listen to it. Pretty, um, pretty well developed little, you know, little scene here. Um, another thing I kind of forgot as, you know, we take a different lens watching these movies. That's, uh, Omar Epps quality acting, right? He's, he's kind of like going through looking at the stalls and he's like, Oh, what's going on in here? <laughs> and he can like clearly hear something like, is that, are there people like doing something sexual here? Like, and he kind of listens in, and then it gets sta- yeah gets stabbed in the head, and it's um really fucking gory, really yeah. brutal, really violent. And this is the this is again shot you know this is the stuff when you're you're fucking with horror, understanding horror, and messing with it, it it, it becomes so poppy. Yeah, it, it's right up in your face. It's it's really cool, really powerful stuff. Well, they bring it up later that one of the rules of horror sequels is that the second one is always gorier. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Jamie Kennedy gets to, he kind of explains to us what's going on uh, periodically. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. So now that he's dead, uh, Maureen's kind of just like, you know, I'm going to go get a popcorn. She goes to get a popcorn. And oh yeah, this was 
before that death, um, uh, Phil freaked her out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, she's just like, <laughs> she goes back to sit down and the killer is sitting right next to her, mm-hmm. watching the movie, just waiting. <laughs> that's that's creepy. Very When creepy. you can't tell, you know, because you gave everyone these fucking costumes. Exactly. Everybody's going <laughs> nuts. You can't hear anything. Yeah. And you, you know, this costume again, hides the whole figure. So she thinks her husband's like, uh, her boyfriend's like, oh, you just got one of those stupid things on. Yeah. So when everyone freaks out at one of the death scenes, she just killer stabs her in the stomach. Yeah. Like multiple times. And she's like, oh, and she climbs up on like she starts wobbling yeah. down the aisle. Yeah. yeah. Walks in front of the screen, you know, screams, falls to her death. Honestly, this could be a short film right there. Yes. And it'd be great. <laughs> yeah. It'd be genius. Great introduction to this film. <laughs> And nobody takes the, the attack seriously. They all think it's part of the, like, premiere. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. And then the crowd realizes she's not faking. <laughs> and it's on the news. We then move to uh, Windsor College in Ohio. No longer in Woodsboro. <laughs> Sydney's at college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she takes this shit very seriously, as one would if they survived a, a horrific event like that. Yeah. And she gets a phone call with some asshole saying, you know, what's your favorite scary movie? And she's like, hey, I got you. <laughs> I got your phone number, asshole. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> that made me laugh. It's like, this is a felony, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten smarter since the last movie. <laughs> yeah. Then, we like, with every movie, just Sydney becomes more and more, you know, shut in and terrified. It's I like the development of her over the other franchise. It's something, something that I didn't appreciate when I was younger, for sure. Yeah. And that comes from, you know, Wes Craven being behind all four films. And I really hope that the upcoming fifth film, you know, continues that trend if Neff Campbell does decide to come back. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, so obviously with a ghost face murderer in town, Dewey shows up to be like, hey, you all right? Gail's there to catch the story because she doesn't learn a goddamn thing over four movies. No, she doesn't. <laughs> Every movie has Dewey being like, you've changed, but no. She hasn't ever. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't learn anything during Friends either. She just keeps regurgitating the same things. She another actress who had a pretty goddamn demanding schedule. No kidding. Filming arguably the biggest show on TV at the time. Yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't. I never liked Friends either. It's not. Not for us. No. No. Um. <laughs> so they're all converging on this, you know, this new potential serial killer, and Dewey has a bum arm from the stabbing in the first movie. And I brought this up on our Scream uh, podcast, the first one. That bum arm just goes away in part three. Like, nerve damage just went away. And that has always bothered me big time. It's, yeah, uh, serious injury, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, for that to be totally fine within, what, a year? Come on. And then, you know, he gets stabbed half to hell in this one. They're yes. like... The, the knife went into old scar tissue, saved his life. Like, he was not getting stabbed in the same spot multiple times. <laughs> like, he, he took a few to the chest yeah. or to the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I guess he's unkillable. <laughs> Fucking Michael Myers. <laughs> Fucking Dewey Riley. Dewey. The name's Dewey Finn. <laughs> oh my God. The possible, like, you know, f- secret mastermind behind all the murders in all four movies. I don't know about that. But there is that brief time in this movie where he points out, like, you know, maybe I'm not stupid. Maybe I just lull everyone into a false sense of security, and it, and it allows me to move about unnoticed. You're like, uh, 
freak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been thinking about this a lot. Psycho. If you're not this killer, you are a killer. You've done something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so the uh, they're all kind of just you know a little in shock, but they're not convinced that this is a recurring event. This might have just been you know, some asshole in a movie theater taking advantage of the w- wildest premiere in movie history. And uh, Randy is the first one to say, like, no, he's back. This is a sequel. We're in a sequel. <laughs> so he tells him the rules. Yes. Which, yeah, which, yeah, you know, shout out to Scream again, um, film we've already done. It He does this. Does this in the first one where he stands up in front of the TV and explains to everybody, these are the horror rules. You know, this is what you, the horror film rules. That, doing that again in, like, a different scenario, different setting, I love that stuff. Yeah. Made it, it's made it so cool watching these films so close together and being able to kind of talk about them and explain or, or just talk about why I like them. It's been, it's been like fucking therapeutic. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Never been able to really figure out why I love Scream. <laughs> That's the beauty of this podcast. We analyze this shit to death and we pinpoint why. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> oh, we go to see them in film class and they're talking about Sequels uh, and yes. any sequels that have possibly surpassed the original, and that it like Buffy's argument is that the sequ- you know the original film is always better. Yeah, and Randy's like, uh, I beg to differ, and or Mickey, I don't know who fucking says all. Yeah, this I can't shit. remember who starts it. Somebody says, you know, Aliens inherently better, and uh, somebody's like, well, there's no accounting for taste. Like, I love this heated ass debate. This is yeah, beautiful. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I took a lot of film classes in college. It never got like that. Ever. Nobody said a goddamn word. That sucks. <laughs> uh, Everybody's just frightened. Yeah. yeah. What am I really doing? <laughs> I'm only 19. What the fuck? <laughs> I should be out living uh, in a classroom. Oh my God. <laughs> um, well, the argument gets settled with Godfather 2. Yes. Where everyone's like, touche. I disagree. I think Godfather 1 is leagues better than Godfather 2. Uh, I like, I love both. I don't see either way. Either way is fine. Godfather 2 is too long. I think it puts, I think it's, loses a little bit of focus. I like Godfather 1 for Brando and Mm -hmm. Pacino's kind of evolution of his character. Yeah. So yeah, I think one, Godfather 1 beats beats it for me. That's fine. And they're both, yeah, I I love them both. But yeah, the fact that they're definitively saying, yeah, like, oh yeah, okay. We all agree. That's the one we're all in agreement on? I'm not sure. Um, off the top of your head, do you have any like sequels that you think surpass the original film? Um, not necessarily. Surpass is hard, yeah, because of that mindset, right? We talked about Alien and Aliens. I like Alien a little bit more, um, but I recognize that Aliens is more entertaining. True, uh, true. I don't know. It's it's really hard. I don't think there is one on the top of my head anyway that 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 state that it's like right there or better. Yeah. What about you? I go straight to Evil Dead too. Yeah. No, it's, that one's great. And Army of Darkness. I think they're both better mm-hmm. than the first one. That's fair. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't bring up Batman Returns. Oh yeah, that one's not light years like or the Dark Knight. Years. That one's not light years. Yeah, I love Batman Begins though. That's I think true. I might like Batman Begins better than the Dark Knight. It really depends on my mood of the day. Yeah, that that's true. Yeah. With those three, it's yeah. like. Do I want to watch, yeah, the kind of intense, like, 
Do I want Liam Neeson's amazing Ra- Ra- Rachel Ghoul? Do I want Heath Ledger's amazing or Joker? Or the most popcorn do I want, one that's the longest. Yeah. And, yeah. Do I want yeah, yeah. Bane kicking Batman's ass? What do I want today? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. That's the beauty of those threes that you can kind of choose based on. Yeah, I, f- I feel Batman Begins when I am in that mode. That's the one I enjoy the most. Like when I'm in that mode and I'm, I'm oh, Begins is awesome. But, <laughs> but Returns I definitely like better than Batman, but it's not like, oh my God. Yeah. Um... Yeah, very difficult. I think Toy Story 2 is great, but it doesn't Oof. surpass Toy Story 1. Not in any... Toy Story 1's the best one by far of all four. Yeah. Uh, but but it's great. Um, I love Two Towers. Adore Two Towers. I don't count Lord of the Rings, because I think it's just like Randy's rule, pre-planned trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I can't really think of any other ones. I love Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man. I love both. Dawn of the Dead. That's a good call. Yeah. That's a good call. Night of the Living Dead is great, but Dawn brings it to a whole new... Dawn, Dawn does kind of raise the... Yeah. <laughs> it, that happens a lot, right? Again, more gore, more whatever, more whatever. Road Warrior. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> I'm sure there's ones we're forgetting. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a ton. Uh, uh, John Wick 2. I love John Wick mm, 2. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably call. my favorite of the three. That's a good call. Um, yeah, man. That's a fun, that's a fun, uh, sequels are a fun thing to look at, right? Just, yeah. Just for shits and giggles. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber 2? No, just kidding. Oh my God. Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Well, Dumb and Dumber-er uh, is even worse. But yeah. One of the worst movies I've ever seen in theaters, Dumb and Dumber 2. I was so, I saw that too. I was like, so upset. With like my best buddy from high school. We were like, let's do this. Oh, what a bummer. I didn't laugh one time. I considered walking out. Like, I <laughs> contemplated, like, ah, I feel like I could use the rest of my night in a more wise way. Terminator 2, I think that got brought oh, up in the T2. movie. T2, yeah. yeah. T2 is definitely better, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, I would argue Christmas Vacation. Okay. <laughs> That's, That's a, a good personal call. favorite. That's a good call. Yeah. It's, a, it's an endless conversation when you really look at it. Yes. It's amazing. But most of the time, it is the first film. You know, your Jurassic Parks, your Jaws is... Oh my god, yeah. Those are <laughs> your predators. Like, that, that that is light years ahead. There's not even a con- a, a contest with those. Yeah. <laughs> no way. For sure. Good call. <laughs> Rocky? No. The Rock- those, but those aren't like those are not bad. terrible. I love the Rocky yeah, sequels, but yeah. the first movie is Ew. flawless. It's it's first, Rocky. <laughs> first one and the fourth one are my favorites, but like but but yeah, I, I the original is the original. Yeah. It's the original, the love story. That yeah, we've covered that one on Oscar Sunday. That was a lot of fun. We love Rocky. <laughs> Episode three. Go check that out. <laughs> Yo, Adrian. Yeah. Beautiful. Anyway, back to Scream Two. <laughs> uh, Dewey goes to talk to Gail. Is upset that she's here chasing a story. He's like, you know, after all that happened, can't you just leave her alone? She's mm-hmm. like, I could, but I need a new book. <laughs> she <laughs> she traps uh, Sydney in an interview with Cotton Weary, which yeah. is so fucked up. Uh-huh. And even Cotton's like, what? She didn't know. <laughs> She's like, Sydney's like, what? What are you doing? And Gail's like, well, we need the story. And Sydney's like, you bitch. And slaps her, walks away. And I love how he's like, did you get that on film? <laughs> Fucking A, Cotton. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Cotton just wants to be famous. Yes. He figured, you know, he spent a year in prison for a crime he didn't commit. He's owed a little something. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard to argue that. I think the way he goes about being a, trying to be famous here is pretty fucking despicable. Kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised they never made him like a ghost face. I know. Like it's such an obvious misdirect, right? Yes. There. Yes. <laughs> His death at the beginning of Scream 3 is pretty good though. Yeah, indeed. Can't wait to cover that one. 
<laughs> I, I, that's another, I, again, I haven't seen these, you know, in a while sometimes, and it's just so much fun to revisit them. Yeah, it's true. Whew. So, um, at the police station, uh, oh, my mistake. Got ahead of myself. There's a sorority party. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and, uh, Cece is alone at the sorority house, and, uh, she's the designated, like, sober one, and she's just kind of chilling, and she gets a phone call from some guy she thinks is her, is her drunk boyfriend, but he's like, nope, what are you, what are you doing? And she kind of humors this guy for a lot longer than most people would. Then he threatens her, and she's like, oh, shit, hangs up, and then he comes in the house yeah. and attacks Buffy, and it's, it's upsetting to see Buffy go down so easily. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of fight there, uh, Buffy. I've seen that series like six times. I love Buffy and, to a further extent, the spinoff Angel. Yes. So to see her just get like thrown off a fucking roof. Just <laughs> destroyed. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. And they find the body, the cops, and uh, the students at the nearby, you know, the mixer go to investigate. Sydney has no interest in joining a, a sorority. And I love that because they're all like, you know, why not? Don't you want to do absolutely nothing but pay people for it? <laughs> I'll never understand fucking Greek life. Ugh. And uh, yeah, no comment. I don't. Even, I don't know either. Sydney and her boyfriend Derek uh, go to that house, and the killer comes out of nowhere, attacks Sydney, and Derek runs after him. And then, like, the door opens, and Derek's on the floor with like a wound on his arm. Like, come on, <laughs> what do you expect us to believe? <laughs> <laughs> they go so out of their way to make you think it's Derek. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and it's just Jerry O'Connell has this like super nice quality to him where I like, I would believe him with anything. Yes. That is, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> At the police station, Gail and Dewey notice the names of the victims seem to loosely match the names of the victims from the Woodsboro murder. So clearly they're connected. That's always, it all comes back to Sydney's mom that, you know, him, her fucking up Billy's life started a domino effect. that got so many people killed. Yeah. Over four, possibly five movies. I mean, good Lord. Possibly five, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the police chief assigns two detectives to protect Sydney, and they never do dick. The group outside, the group is uh, outside amongst dozens of college students. The kill, uh, college students and the killer phones them, taunts them. This guy's a clearly, you know, wants them to be on the defensive here. Yes. And, uh, Gail and Dewey search the students in the area who have cell phones. And they're like just ripping cell phones out of people's hands like, who is this? It's like, who is this? <laughs> and Randy's on the phone talking to him. And <laughs> that just wouldn't work today. No. <laughs> if you take somebody's phone, they fucking freak out now. <laughs> that, this shit is our, life, our lives, you know? Like, yeah, it just would be really funny in a movie today because people would not handle it. Speaking of, I just went and saw, I went back to the movie theaters. I'm doing that now. Uh, unhinged with Russell Crowe. We'll talk about it more later, I think. Yeah. You know, we'll have a little conversation about that. But that movie very much hinges on your phone is your life. Mm-hmm. And I love the way they incorporated that. But so cool. More on that later. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Randy's talking to this guy, and the killer's like, you know, you're never you're going to get the girl. You're never going to be a leading man. And Randy's immediate reaction to that is, fuck you. And that always makes me laugh. <laughs> no argument, just fuck you, man. <laughs> 
It's the only time I've ever liked Jamie Kennedy is this this franchise. Yeah, and you and you you you're not a huge fan of him, you know. Oh yeah, I, I, I I'm not a I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm a big fan, but but I but I do. I know it's silly, but Malibu's most wanted. Me and my brothers, you know, watched that a lot growing up, and <laughs> and, and quote it still to this day. You know, uh, you know, like. Streets of Malibu, like he's type, everybody's, you know, we got bag ladies. <laughs> it's women carrying like, you know, bags in the mall, and you know, everybody strapped the nine. It's a nine iron, you know, golf club. <laughs> that shit's really That's funny. funny. And but Jamie Kennedy, I've never really gotten the, the shtick. You know, like what. What's the, like, uh, what's that movie? Kicking it old school, all that? Yeah, it's not, that stuff's not really for me, I guess. Yeah, I knew Son of the Mask was shit when I saw it as a kid. And, go, yeah, yeah. and then from there, I just had this, like, I don't like this man. Yeah, eh. He's not Jim Carrey, and he you never will bad, be. You make bad choices, yeah. <laughs> I had that Harry Potter moment of, like, how dare you stand where he stood? <laughs> like, it was just, the mask was a big deal to me as a kid. Because <laughs> it's good. Yeah, still hilarious, one of my favorites. Maybe my favorite, Jim Carrey. <laughs> but that again for another time. Yeah, I can't even begin to think. So while Randy's walking around trying to find who's talking on their cell phone, he walks past the van, Gail's news van, badmouths Billy, and the guy immediately throws open the door, pulls him in, stabs him to death. We lose Randy pretty damn early on. Yeah. And if anybody should have been safe, the man who comes up with the rules, Randy, should have known, don't do what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, preaching preaching to himself there. Yeah, and then Gail and Dewey find him, and yeah, like Sydney's pretty hurt by this because he was a survivor. Yeah, he gets it. They've gone through this together. Yeah, Derek doesn't get it. Derek thinks that you know singing a song in the cafeteria is the best way to pull this off. Like that was so cringy. I couldn't deal with that. Come on, guys. Yeah. Oof. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, Greek people. Yep. I mean. Frat people, not people yeah, from yeah, Greece. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I got a problem with the Greeks. Yeah, hell no. Yet. Greece is a beautiful <laughs> country. I got to go to Athens, like, in 2013. Oh, nice. I went there for a few days with, with my brother and our friend. Oh, man. Gorgeous. Like, gorgeous kind of... I, I went during the summer, and, you know, it was nice and hot, but it was just so beautiful. Uh, like, those images are, like, ingrained in my head. So yeah, we're, we're definitely, definitely not talking about Greek people. No. <laughs> we're talking, talking about, about, yeah, the fraternity <laughs> shit. Sorority <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Gail and Dewey visit a lecture room to watch the video footage they've been taking, and uh, they get hot and heavy. And uh, <laughs> they realize that the footage contains another TV screen or Gail notices another TV screen playing footage yeah, yeah. that her cameraman hadn't taken and realizes that's probably the killer. And uh, <laughs> finally it shows the backs of Dewey and Gail as they watch the video. That's, that's nice. That's a touch. That's creepy. That's some shit that, took, <laughs> that, that has taken me some, some watching of other horror movies and other movies in general to understand, okay, that was, that was nice. That was crafted pretty well there. I had a short story idea I wanted to develop that involved... Uh, voyeurism of that kind of uh-huh. like somebody sending people tapes of them watching like them from different angles yeah and the last yeah. tape was going to be the angle was from the closet oh, and man. it was like a live recording like, yeah it's right there <laughs> Ooh. spooky <laughs> so they turn around notice ghost, ghost faces in the projector room dewey gives chase Gail is cornered in the sound system room manages to hide in the recording compartment dewey enters tries to get gail's attention 
and he gets stabbed, quote unquote, to death. Yeah. <laughs> Gail is like, no, the man I kind of maybe sort of thought about falling in love with. <laughs> and, uh, Gail then manages to bar the door. And uh, prior to this, uh, Sydney, after learning about Randy's death, uh, Cotton approached her in the library and was like, hey, guess what? Diane Sawyer. <laughs> huh? You? Me? Diane? Huh? Come on. And she's like, no, this was very traumatic, and I don't want any part of this. Get, get Understand that. <laughs> and he's like, hey, put me in jail. You owe me. And she's like, I said sorry as many times as I'm going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And he gets, like, aggressive, and the cops arrest him for being aggressive. And he's like, yeah. last I checked, I have rights. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you could be a little less douchey about it, Cotton. You're not helping your case here. <laughs> It's a bold strategy there, Cotton. <laughs> F and A, man. F and A. God. And uh, while running through the building, Gail runs into Cotton covered in blood. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. I was trying to help him. <laughs> Good God, Cotton. You need to work on your alibis. <laughs> You'd think be- spending a year in prison would convince him to try a little harder to look innocent. Maybe when you see somebody covered in blood, you walk the fuck away. No. Don't touch him. That, t- that, t- that time behind bars just whizzed by. Go call the cops, but don't touch him. Your, evident- your, your DNA is now on the body, Cotton. You're going back to prison. Come on, Cotton. Oh, Cotton. Jesus. <laughs> Cotton. <laughs> so the detectives protecting Sydney are attacked when their vehicle is stopped at a traffic light. They get killed almost instantly. Yeah. Yeah. So the killer crashes the car, killing the detectives, and he gets knocked unconscious. And this might be my favorite part of the movie. This is so goddamn tense, and I love it. It was when Ghostface is unconscious in the car, yes. and they're trying to escape by crawling over him. You keep expecting it to just, uh. you know, rah, but it never happens. <laughs> and they climb out of the car, uh, Sydney and Hallie, and they're on their way out. They're running away from him, but Sydney's like, wait, I need to know. Yeah. You couldn't have just taken a moment when you were over there. You have to know now. And she goes back and he's gone. <laughs> and then somehow he, t- he comes b- behind the building on the other side and stabs Hallie to death. I don't know how he managed to cover oh. all that ground. Well, I'm a goddamn idiot. Two killers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot me in the fucking head. That but, if it, but if it was just one, <laughs> if it was just one, you're right. God damn it. It'd probably be impossible Ugh. if it was one. Sydney then runs to the school theater and uh, you think that as the series progressed, Sydney like became less attached to her friends. Yeah, like she started, you know, don't don't love this person because they'll probably die. Yeah, I think so. I think that's part of her progression, right? It's kind of sad, but it's very sad. But, but it's when your family and friends keep getting stabbed to death by a Ghostface. You try to stop, yeah, getting attached. Oof. God. So she's confronted by the killer in the school theater. Derek, meanwhile, has fucking vanished because yeah. he gave his Greek letters to a girl. And his frat's like, no, how dare you? Oh, you're going to suffer for this because all this cutesy college bullshit. <laughs> it means nothing in the grand scheme of things, folks. It really does not. Ugh, all you idiots who pledged. You proud of yourselves? <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> so the killer uh, reveals himself to be Mickey. Wow. Shocker. <laughs> fucking Mick 
And Derek is tied to a, a son because of the stage props. Speaking of, I forgot to point this out. The music, the uh, theater teacher is fucking David Warner. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we did not point that out. How right. awesome is that? We love David Warner. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> oh. And uh, Derek's tied to the sun. He's got no shirt on. And he's like, you motherfucker. You're, you were my best friend. And yeah. <laughs> Mickey's like, hey, you know, you bailed on me, man. We were supposed to do this together just to confuse Sydney. And she's like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. what? And Derek's like, the fuck are you talking about? No, 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 no. I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> and she's like, how dare you? How could you do this? And he's like, I, 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 his, his argument's not great. No, no. <laughs> but Mickey then shoots Derek in the chest. And Derek's like, I didn't hurt. I wouldn't have hurt you. And she's like, I know. Well, no, you didn't. Because you so would have un- you tied him. Mickey's like, by the way, he's innocent. I just wanted to hurt you. <laughs> oh, great. And uh, he says he does have a partner. Sydney turns around to see Gail coming out of the stage door. And at first I was like, oh, what? I know, right? But no. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's Andy's mom. <laughs> Debbie Salt. He's like, you know, this reporter has been kind of hanging around the whole time trying to get Gail's attention when in reality she's Billy Loomis's mother mm-hmm. who's had some work done. Despite having work done, Sydney recognizes her almost immediately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was Facebook around then? I don't think so. <laughs> and uh, Sydney recognizes her as Mrs. Loomis, Billy's mother. Mickey reveals that his plan was to be caught for the murders so he could become famous and be immortalized and blame it on horror movies. Fuck you, man. The horror genre has enough to worry about without the fucking government getting involved. Yeah. <laughs> we we are able to watch them and just watch them and leave them. Yeah. Not become them. Nope. I've seen a lot of horror movies, a lot of grisly shit. Not once have I thought, I want to go butcher somebody and wear them as a suit. It's not, yeah, it's or, not how normal people function. Or anything uh, along the lines of any of the horror movies we've watched. Like No. Like, uh, you know, yeah, I want... I want cars to come to life and start trying to kill people. That ATM just called me an asshole. (laughs) I I don't know if I'd be, I might be okay with that one. It'd be kind of funny (laughs) for like a week. (laughs) Not forever. (laughs) Right. It'd be funny for a few days. Oh my God. Okay. I want to go back to normal now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So they met on a chat room, Mickey and uh, Mrs. Loomis. And are like, Hey, you want to be a serial killer. I want revenge for my son's death. Maybe we partner up because that happens. <laughs> and she agreed to pay his college tuition in return for his part in the killing. I can't. This is fucking stupid, <laughs> but it's a good movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but remember, this is the ending that they had to use because the original ending got leaked. Mm-hmm. So I understand this being a little rushed. Oh, yeah. Had to be. And, uh,. <laughs> They worked all this out, and now, you know, they have everybody where they need to be. And Mickey wants to go to prison anyway, but Mrs. Loomis is like, nope, no trial. Shoots Mickey in the chest three times. He collapses. She's then going to kill Sydney and get her revenge. Yes. First, she shoots Gail, who falls down. And um, Sydney points out that if Mrs. Loomis had not abandoned Billy... And he and Stu wouldn't have started their killing spree, but nope. <laughs> Mrs. Loomis is like, how dare you call me a bad mother despite not being involved in my son's life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, uh, Sydney and Mrs. Loomis have a fight. Uh, 
Mrs. Loomis is distracted when Sydney hits her with a prop jar. She gets barricaded backstage, uses the props to kind of fuck with her. And uh, oof, Cotton shows up. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, uh, as if we weren't going to see Cotton again. Cotton is a joke. <laughs> he makes me laugh. He makes the worst decisions. Yeah. Ugh. He makes horror movie decisions. Yes. Fully aware. And uh, he has a gun and he's like, hey, what's going on here? Hey. 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 He kind of is that like, casual. Yeah. Hey, hey so. Oh. <laughs> Don't got much time here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Sydney's like, she's the killer. And Mickey also is the killer. And he's like, oh, really? Oh, how about that? Yeah. All he gives a fuck is about is Diane Sawyer. Yes. <laughs> and he brings that up. He's like, so Sydney, any chance of that Diane Sawyer as like a way to be like, move over there. Yeah. Like he does not very subtly be like, eh, come Get on. And <laughs> he does shoot her. He shoots Mrs. Loomis, makes the right decision after Sydney says it's a deal. And I bet that wasn't like he was going to help her regardless. I bet because your cotton's probably a good person. And, ugh. Gail gets up. She's alive. Scares the shit out of Cotton. Cotton's like, is there any more? Is anybody else down there? And, uh... <laughs> Gail, like, Cotton gives Gail a gun. And, uh... They stand over Mrs. Loomis waiting for her to get up. Because that always happens. And then Mickey gets up. <laughs> and they shoot him down. Yeah. <laughs> They go outside, talk to the news and the cops. They all want to interview Sydney, but Sydney's like, go talk to Cotton. He's the real hero. And Cotton's like, yeah, I'll talk to you guys for a price. Here's my card. <laughs> Ugh. Capitalist. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we see a, a stretcher being wheeled out of the, one of the, the buildings, and it's Dewey, somehow alive, despite being stabbed multiple times, like, hours ago. It's, it's Dewey. <laughs> And, yeah, you know, the bum arm won't be a problem in Scream 3. That really bothers me. Nerve damage doesn't just come back like that. It's not how fucking... Ugh. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody's okay, except for all the people who died. <laughs> and the- <laughs> it happens a lot. It happens a lot in horror movies where it's like, the movie's coming to an end. Now we got to distract you from all the death you just witnessed. Yep. Nobody's going to be okay. Scream 3, Sydney's a fucking recluse with, like, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis style, you know, yeah. house defenses. Yes. And uh, <laughs> Sydney walks off campus having survived another ghost face. And our hero will be back. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> survived the murders yet again. Yep. Here are some film guys and facts for you. Number one. One scene in Kevin Williamson's screenplay was described simply as, quote, Wes Craven will make it scary. Love that confidence. Me too. Me too. Like, I don't need to describe what's going on here. Wes, Wes has it. That's perfect. <laughs> Number two, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert loved this movie. Siskel never gave good reviews to horror movies, particularly slasher movies, and he slammed Scream. Ebert almost never gave slasher movies good reviews, and the fact that both of them liked this movie is a small miracle. What? They both hated Scream. They see Scream 2 and they're like, that was that was a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened there? God. <sighs> this is awesome. Number three. This was originally scheduled to open alongside Tomorrow Never Dies and Titanic. 
both blockbusters moved their dates because they didn't want to be pitted against a surefire hit like Scream 2. <laughs> How awesome is that? Titanic was afraid of this movie. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I love that. Number four. According to a rumor, the identity of Ghostface was changed after the original script was leaked on the internet. The original murders or murderers apparently were Hallie and fucking Derek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Derek. And this was referenced in Scream 3, where all the actors and actresses on the movie Stab 3 are kept in the dark about the script. Mm. And I'm, as cool as it would have been to see uh, Jerry O'Connell just, like, abandon the nice guy facade and be a psychopath, would have been a little lazy having it be the boyfriend again. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they made the right call. Feel that. Yeah, for sure. I give Scream 2 an 8. It's a solid sequel and an enjoyable entry in the franchise. Yeah, I agree. I give I give it an eight. Uh, echo that exact same thing. Just uh, oodles of fun. Um, oodles. fun. Good good rewatch. Yes. And uh, yeah, and just, uh, sorry. Encourage people to to watch it. Is it on? Uh, Scream two and three are available on CBS All Access. That's right. That's right. That's right. Amazingly, one and four are not. I don't know why. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. They were all on Netflix for the longest time. Yeah, and, which you know, was great. Right when you need them, they're gone. Of course. Uh, so. I think that brings us to a nice little movie draft. Yeah. Where we talk about the films of certain years, try to draft a solid list of great films. And since Scream 2 came out in 97, that's the year we're drawing from. So we have a pool of films that we've both seen, and we're going to pick and choose and try to see who has the most definitive list of great movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, here's our list of films to choose from. Uh, We're not going by genre because there's not enough to separate. Yes. Our pool of films are... The Lost World, Jurassic Park, Titanic, Starship Troopers, Boogie Nights, Goodwill Hunting, The Fifth Element, Hercules, Men in Black, Face Off, Batman and Robin, Jackie Brown, L.A. Confidential, Donnie Brasco, Air Force One, The Game, Liar Liar, Con Air, Cube, Alien Resurrection, Lost Highway, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, As Good As It Gets, Scream 2, Gattaca, Tomorrow Never Dies, Spawn, George of the Jungle, The Rainmaker, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Chasing Amy, Flubber, The Full Monty, Gross Point Blank, Bean, Beverly Hills Ninja, and Vegas Vacation. (laughs) 37 movies. 97. Good year. Yes, indeed. All right. So I'll uh, take the first pick here. Uh, That's typically how we do it. Uh, Connor will finish it off. Oh, man, there's so many to choose from. All right, um, but I'm going to go with my, my gut here and just pick what is probably my favorite of all of them, and that's Jackie Brown. I knew it. I knew it. Tarantino's my guy. Jackie Brown's, you know, along with Pulp Fiction would be my favorite movie of his. Uh, yeah, I, I find it to be a quite moving film. Definitely a 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Okay, so my pick, 97, give me Starship Troopers. <laughs> right on. I haven't seen that one in a while. That is one of my favorites. I've seen that movie maybe like four times in the past like three months alone. <laughs> That's such a great movie. That's wonderful. Um, <laughs> this is uh, this is a uh, yeah very very off the wall year right as far as the movies that we have. Um, I want to have some you know a different variety, so I'm going to take this one off the board because I feel like you like it, but I'm not sure. That'd be Disney's Hercules. I do like Hercules. That is a great movie. Yeah, it is. It, it's awesome. The music is 
incredible. I think Disney's '90s run is unrivaled. It's they have so many. It's their best decade they ever had. Oh, no arguments here. I am going to snag as good as it gets. Yeah, yeah. I love that movie. It's so good, so lovely. Uh, One of my favorite quotes from that one is when he's he says, "You make me want to be a better person." My favorite is uh, (laughs) "Go sell crazy somewhere else." We're all stocked up here. I say that all the time. Oh, yeah, that's a good movie. <laughs> I'd venture to say that that's probably a nine close to a ten for me as well. It's a good good film. <laughs> um, This would be my third film. Uh, I got to do it. Boogie Nights is my second favorite movie of the whole group. Boogie uh, Nights. Yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson. So I'll take PTA and uh, Quentin Tarantino. We got a lot of cocaine on this side. <laughs> awesome. Boogie Nights. Okay. Oof. I'm probably going to have a sci-fi... I'm going to have a lot more sci-fi films than you because I'm going to take The Fifth Element. Ooh, that's a good movie. That is such an underrated, bizarre movie. I miss back... You know, in the 90s, not every sci-fi movie was Star Wars, Star Trek, or a superhero movie. Like, they really tried to do, like, weird shit, and it usually worked in the 90s. Yeah. I like that. We've lost that, I think. I don't remember the last time a film like The Fifth Element really wowed me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's definitely, it, there was a time when they were churned out like that. Yeah, I agree. Good call. Uh, that's that's a fun movie. Really cool cast. Um, hmm. This was tough. I'm, I'm going to snag Goodwill Hunting. Just uh, just because, yeah, I need I need like a through and through drama in my in my group. And and I, I would personally probably give it an, uh, I don't know, maybe an eight or a nine. I really like that movie. It's good stuff. Very nice. That is a great movie. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. So I got one more. You got a couple more. Yeah. I'm gonna say it right now. I don't think either of us wants Titanic. Oh, which no. is interesting because it's the you know, I'm not the film of '97. Yeah, I, I think it's fine. I'm not just, just not a huge fan. I think it's fine. I'm gonna take Chasing Amy. I, yeah, I figured you love that movie. I do love that movie. That is such a, it's one of the best love stories I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a funny movie. Ben Affleck, man. <laughs> um, we we recently did uh, 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 our last Oscar Sunday episode was uh, on Fight Club, and we talked a bit about David Fincher. So I'm gonna go ahead and take the game. Uh, the game. I was gonna which. S- Rounds out my five pretty nicely. That would be Jackie Brown, Hercules, Boogie Nights, Goodwill Hunting, and The Game. Fuck, I I've got three of my favorite directors ever <laughs> in that group. There, yeah. Well done. I, I hmm. yeah, this is a good group. <laughs> Damn, I have a lot of mediocre stuff to pick from. <laughs> we grabbed all the great movies. <laughs> oh man. Um, I mean, yeah, there's a there's a David Lynch movie that you don't really like, and obviously Ugh. I love him. Um, you know, there's a fucking Austin Powers movie. <laughs> Those are great. Uh, I'm going to take Men in Black. Yeah, that, I, I figured. Yeah. To me, that's like the, yeah, that's the best pick. It was gonna, I like LA Confidential. I do. I was, it was between Men in Black and Face Off for me. I Face love Off's Face Off. Wild. That is a great movie. Wild-ass movie. Liar Liar is pretty great. Con Air is just, come on, it's oh. Con Air, right? Um... So yeah, my all right, my five are Starship Troopers, as good as it gets, the fifth element, chasing Amy and Men in Black. A very strange marathon there. <laughs> I got Jackie Brown, Hercules, Boogie Nights, Goodwill Hunting, and the game. Very nice. You know, I think you got me beat this time. Uh yeah, I, I 
Yeah, slightly. And, you know, for me personally, you know, I have a couple tens in here. And then, again, yeah, covering three, you know, David Fincher, Paul Thomas Anderson, Quentin Tarantino, those are three guys that I have a hard time uh, ever not liking their work. (laughs) I've got four nines and a ten. I would say, okay, that's good. I would say I have two tens, two nines, and an eight. I would say Hercules and the game are a nine. Goodwill Hunting is close to a nine. I don't know. I really like it. I really do. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that's like the worst movie of my group, but for me personally, I think I like it the least out of these five. Yeah, fair enough. But what's your favorite movie from my group? Would it be Jackie um, Brown? Would it be Tarantino? Or would it be The Game? I think it's Boogie Nights. Honestly, really? Yeah. Okay. That's a fantastic movie. I thought for a second you were going to steal it from me just because you know how much I love it. <laughs> that, that'd be fine. I understand. It's great. <laughs> the cast, right? You know, as time goes on. You know, there's like 25 people in it that are like still doing stuff. Yeah. It's really amazing. There's just, it's that one, for me, it's that one scene of Dirk Diggler in a recording booth singing, you got, got the, the touch. touch. I can't get over that. And John C. Riley, like, <laughs> yeah, man, that sounds great. It's so terrible. Yeah. But it's, it's defi- it, it represents the whole goddamn movie for me. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Pete is very good at kind of like, sometimes you'll see like a direct line, right? Where it's like, oh, this changed. And in that movie is very much... Uh, at the New Year's party when William H. Acey's character shoots himself. Yeah. And so the movie completely flips, and now you have the scenes like, you got the touch, and he's completely coked out and losing his mind and on a downward spiral. And it's, Pete's so good at capturing that. He's good at capturing the, the, like, agony and pain of failing. To make a movie about the fucking porn industry in 97 and have the guts to make it, like, a legit drama, never waver in that never like yeah. not take it seriously it's amazing it's incredible yeah yeah and, and it and is is really you know i had seen there will be blood and there might have been others i'd seen by paul thomas anderson but when i saw boogie nights it was very clear that this guy has this style this this way about like you said taking the story and taking it very fucking seriously yeah and but it's also a very funny movie this was definitely my first paul thomas anderson I didn't know who he was when yeah. I watched this movie. Yeah. But I knew this was a good movie. Right? Yeah. It has that. You're just like, damn. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I've read stuff like reviews when it came out. People were like, is this the next Scorsese? Like, holy shit. The way he's doing these tracking shots is like, this is like Goodfellas, but porn. Like, <laughs> what's going on? It's It really is like epic. It's yeah. it's like an epic tale. And he hasn't really captured that, that, that sense. He's done great things. You know, there will be blood and... Um, the master. Well, I kind of like that. He's with every movie. He's yeah. always experimenting. Yes. It's always something new with this guy. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I cannot wait for his newest film where, you know, apparently Bradley Cooper's in it. It's going to be based around like teenage characters in California in the seventies. <laughs> you know, so you're, you're getting that boogie nights vibe again, but with different characters. I can't wait. <laughs> right on. I think, uh, I think you got me this time. Just barely. You beat me. What? This is our third or fourth? This is our third, I believe. Third, yeah. yeah. You got you definitely got me those first two times. Well, well I keep, grabbed like you grabbed like legit critically acclaimed films, and I went all personal on this one. Yeah. This year happens to be personal and critical. Yeah. yeah. Hap- with those three specifically, the game, Boogie Nights, and Jackie Brown. I, I adore those three directors. Adore them. Yeah. <laughs> I know you do too. <laughs> I do. I mean, we just did Fight Club and raved about the game and how it's <laughs> underrated. Yeah. And how it doesn't get looked at as like one of Fincher's greatest works. And it they all, they all are. <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, except for Alien 3. Yeah, but that's not his fault. No, it's not. Um, yeah, I got fucked on that one. But yeah, these are these are always fun. Is there any 97 movie that I need to see? Mouse Hunt, my I friend. I know! 
It's not exactly a, a critical darling, but it is a super favorite of mine. It's such a simple premise. These two brothers inherit an old house from their father. Turns out this house is like a, a lost architect's like masterpiece, and everyone wants it. And they have to clean up this house to make it ready for an auction. But there's this mouse that's in the house, and they keep trying to kill this mouse. And the lengths they go to to kill this fucking mouse is unbelievable. It's a giant Tom and Jerry movie, basically. With Nathan Lane and Lee Evans, Christopher Walken plays an exterminator oh that, like, the mouse gets one up on. It's fucking crazy. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, you would love this movie. It is so funny. I've loved it since I was a kid. <laughs> and it just makes me laugh more every time I watch it. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible stuff. I've got, I've, got, I've got a few. I know you've heard this a lot. You live in San Antonio. I'm from here. I was born here. Selena. Oh, now it's on. Now it's on audio. <laughs> She's, now it's out there in the world. She's an absolute legend. You'll get around to it one day. I'll uh, see it. Yeah. Uh, but 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 really seriously, uh, my favorite uh, studio studio G studio Ghibli movie is uh, Princess Mononoke, and that came out in '97. Yeah, that would be your favorite as well. The the tones of it, the fucking darkness of it, the message of it, very very powerful, very cool movie, visually stunning. And then Rainy Doc, Takashi Miike. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of his movies, right? But we did audition in Itchy the Killer. And I felt like follow, kind of following it up. So I watched Rainy Dog. Fucking awesome. Um, can't wait to watch more of his films. So these are great. You know, it's really fun to stack a year up and see what it had. Uh, especially for Connor and I, we've seen so many from each year, uh, especially in the 90s, 2000s, and 2010s, and you for the 80s, and me for the 70s. It's really funny how that has worked out. But uh, it, it, we're going to keep doing this. Uh, if there's only like 30 or, you know, 20, 30, 40 films, we'll do. Uh, you know, pick five or so. But when we, you know, are up in like, you know, I think it was 53 for 2019, we'll, we'll separate them into categories and choose based on categories so we both have to choose a lot of variety and it'll be yeah. more challenging. But it's just a fun exercise to do at the end here. It is. It's exciting. It's a great way to close out the show since we moved this week in film over to Oscar Sunday. Exactly. And uh, yeah, fantastic. What are, we, what are we doing next week? Oof. Next week is a big deal, folks. It is. <laughs> Next week, we are celebrating the 100th episode of the Filmgasm podcast. Not counting bonuses. <laughs> we're very excited, and we knew we wanted to go big. So we're ending the Weird Shit Wednesday run yes. with a dive into legendarily weird director David Lynch. Yes. With a full-fledged focus on his prequel film, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Woo! <laughs> oh, man. We'll discuss Lynch's films and what we think about them. Then Austin and I will spend the remainder of the show diving into Twin Peaks, yes. The Missing Pieces, and The Return with a particular focus on Firewalk with me. Yeah. Sure to be a big old Twin Peaks extravaganza. We'll have plenty of cherry pie and damn good coffee to keep us pepped up. Oh, yes. <laughs> I cannot wait. Uh, yeah. Oh, my brothers. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun, right? This is uh, one of the more divisive uh, TV movie you know, worlds that someone's created, right? Twin yeah. Peaks is... There's so much to talk about. So you could do an entire podcast series about Twin Peaks. Yes. We're going to yeah. try to cram it into like an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to talk about what we like about the show. And what they could change, yeah. what could be better. David Lynch yeah. is kind of like, you know, his road from Eraserhead to Twin Peaks The Return and just talk about the, exactly. the man himself and the films he's done over the years and what we think about them. And the prep for this has been ongoing for quite a while now because I, I watched Twin Peaks yeah. months ago. Well, well that's, this, that's the thing with Weird Shit Wednesday, right? Is we used to do those every fifth episode. Yeah. And it required all five of those weeks of prep. Yeah. When we did PSH, we watched over 20 films 
within that month. And also, that just he yeah, was in, and just and as well as doing the regular weekly episode and doing reviews and yeah. trying to keep up with article. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot on your plate when you're doing yes. Shit Wednesday. So yeah, Twin Peaks is the last one. Yes, but it's also kind of like a, um, we're, we're we're pushing into the future. Hey, we're gonna keep talking about weird things and strange stuff like Twin Peaks and yeah. stuff that's of the horror. We're gonna do yeah. kind of what we've been doing and just kind of keep the tangents as their weird shit Wednesdays. Just kind of talk about filmmakers that pop into our heads. Things yes. about film that just we want to, you know, branch out on. Like the whole yeah. thing we did about Logan today. Things like that. Yeah. We want to keep it organic and not, you know, we don't want to cram so much into a finite amount of time because it's going to, we're going to lose, we're going to miss stuff. Yeah. And uh, we want to keep it fresh. Yeah. Lucy Goosey, you know, we got the Oscar Sunday. So we, we, you know, we, again, we talked about Fight Club. So obviously David Fincher came up and we really got to dive into what we love about his career. Yeah. Again creating that space to talk about those things yeah. organically. That's what we're doing. So this will mostly be an episode on Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Yes. That's the focus. Yeah, Twin Peaks, yeah, yeah, yes. But everything around it will be David Lynch and Blue Velvet and Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive and the Twin yeah. Peaks Return and everything we can think of that's David Lynch and we'll just embrace him as a filmmaker and a weird fucking guy Exactly. and talk about why we love him. Yeah, it's going to be great. Happy 100 to us. Yeah, please please come back next week and, and join us for that. Yes, and, indeed. And, and watch his stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, a crazy amount of stuff on Criterion, and, you know, his Twin Peaks has always been an, you know, he's there's access to it, right? He's, yeah. It's not something that's not attainable, so. If you want to, you know, brush up on your Twin Peaks, the original run is available on Netflix yes. and Hulu. Yes. And the Fire Walk With Me film is currently available only on Criterion Channel. I, yeah, the movie is just on Criterion, yes. but, yeah, it's available to rent, two ninety nine, three ninety nine for HD. The Missing Pieces, also on Criterion, and The Return is on Showtime. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> if you want to keep up with us, that's how you do it. Yeah, and if you, you know, or if you're like, hey, I'll just watch one of the movies. Go for it, man. We've yeah. watched all of, you know, Lost Highway and Wild at Heart, Mohan Drive. Like you said, since Eraserhead. We're trying to see all that shit. Yes. And, and have context. And you can check that episode out on Spotify if you want. We are now on Spotify. Yes, sir. Filmgasm and Oscar Sunday, both on Spotify. Very excited. Long time coming. We're finally there. Yeah, it's beautiful. And uh, speaking of Oscar Sunday, this weekend uh, we will be doing Z from 1969, a Algerian French movie directed by a Greek guy. <laughs> <laughs> Costa Gravas. We, we are, we're very excited to do that one. It's uh, the first foreign film we've done on Oscar Sunday. Uh, yeah, we're wicked excited. So join us on that again, also on Spotify. So uh, thanks, guys, and uh, keep joining us. Thank you very much. And uh, we couldn't do this without you guys. Until then, stay out of Woodsboro. And just know that if you are close to Sidney Prescott, you are probably going to die a brutal death. For sure. See you next Wednesday. Peace.